Hello and welcome to Woman Heal Podcast, a sacred space for women to work through the hard stuff while becoming more self-aware, healing past wounds, and transforming into the highest version of themselves. Now more than ever, it is time for us to deal with everything that we swept under the rug, because whatsoever you sweep under the rug today, you will trip over tomorrow. I am Carla Arcanon Lawrence, the trailblazer, and over the last decade, I have served as a holistic transformation coach where I help women heal what's still hurting while discovering their authentic voice and awakening their inner boss. Be sure to follow the Woman Heal movement on Instagram and Facebook at Woman Heal Podcast. Also, join us every fourth Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Sister Chat Live, the book club edition. As a disclaimer, if you are battling anxiety or depression, please contact your medical doctor immediately and contact a licensed professional at psychologytoday.com or betterhelp.com. If you are having suicidal thoughts, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. Please note, the advice I share on this podcast is not to replace the directives of your medical doctor or mental health provider. So what's going on, everybody? Listen, I have with me today a very special guest, and her name is Christina Lloyd. What's Hi. going on, Christina? Hi, Carla. It's <laughs> such an honor and a pleasure to be on the show with you. Hi, ladies. Hi, everybody that's listening. All right. So listen, uh, we met each other at, um, at an event. And then you attended my Healing the Little Girl event. What year was that? Was that like 2018? It was 20, it was 2018. 2018. Yes, it and was. And so I have not seen you since, but I have talked to you. Yes. Right. And yes. so you have just learning your story, you have such a powerful, powerful story. And here on Woman Heal Podcast, we're all about providing real, real women with real solutions to real problems, right? So let's go ahead and dive right into your story. In 2017, your husband, he passed away in his sleep from a heart attack, right? Yes. So describe what that moment was like for you. For me, I was, I was in shock. Um, I felt a lot of guilt at the time also. Um, of course, I was, I was upset when my, husband, when my husband passed away. So that's what gave me such that spirit of, of fear. Um, but I was in shock. I was, I was hurt beyond capacity. I mean, I, I never thought something of that nature would actually happen because he passed, of course, because he passed away at home. But a lot of it was just, a lot of it was just so much hurt. And like I said, a lot of guilt. And I was angry also. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So after learning of your husband's passing, you also had some other things to contend with, right? But before we go into that, Kind of describe the nature of the relationship with your your husband, and because y'all have a son, but yes. and he was a father to your son. So give the listeners some context. So as we journey through the rest of your story, they'll be able to really understand okay. what you've been through. So my husband and I married in two thousand in two thousand and six, but I knew my husband my entire life. Um, my husband and my family we coincide with each other. He played football and basketball with my brothers. Um, one of my brothers and his uncle was really good friends. Um, he lifeguard at the pool that we used to go to. And of course, my mom would always say, no, stay away from my daughter. She didn't allow them to have any contact with us, in, uh, you know, in that way. And also he lived across the street from my grandma. So we grew up 
with each other, even though it wasn't a constant seeing each other. Um, I started working at my job in 2004 and he actually worked there. And when he walked in the door, I looked, I said, oh, I know him. And he turned around and he looked at me. You would have to know his personality. And he actually looked at me and said, oh, I do remember you. He said, oh, something have definitely grown over the years, Peaches. <laughs> <laughs> so he was very loving. My husband was very loving, very compassionate, um, very personable. Um, people depended on him a lot. He mentored, he coached. Um, he was a really good man. He was a, a really good person. But I think that sometimes when a person allows so many people to depend on them, it kind of drains, it drains them. And sometimes when they come home, they don't have anything left for their family. And I think that was one of the things that we started to deal with. Mm -hmm. Cause you said professional, I know he was a community leader, very well known in the community, mm -hmm. but what was, what did he do professionally? Um, he actually, he drove trucks for the city of Durham. Okay. And I know you were saying how, you know, when we talked behind the scenes, when he would come home, he had given everybody everything that he had. He didn't have anything mm -hmm. left, right? So mm -hmm. what were you guys going through? Because um, there was some things going on. And when you woke when you woke up and he didn't wake up, you were devastated. So many mm -hmm. emotions, so many unanswered mm -hmm. questions. I'm sure there was a state of shock. Like I'm sure... All of the, the the stages of grief hit you at one time, except for acceptance. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm sure there was some denial. You know, so who found him? Um, our son actually found him. Um, the day that my husband passed away, um, we were going to attend a one of the mothers from our church funeral. Mm -hmm. I went. I got my hair done that morning. So when I came home, when I left out, I relaxed my hair, washed my hair, and everything. Left out. I heard my husband snoring. So he was, I mean, he was, he was fine at that point. And that was probably about eight something. I got back home about 1030. No, I got home back home about 12 is when I, is when I got back to the house. I was on my way home. And while I was in the car, I told my sister, I said, I feel nauseous. I feel sick. I got really, really sick at a particular point on my way home to the point where I almost pulled over. She was like, do you want me to come and get you? I said, no, I'm only a few minutes from home. I can make it home, but at that very time, what I learned later is that is the time in which my husband, my husband was passing away. Um, so when I got home, you know, I went up, I went upstairs, I went in my bedroom. At this time, my husband was sleeping in a different bedroom, and we'll get we'll get into that part. As you said, there were some things that you know that I contend with at that point. So I went upstairs and I was talking to my son. I never went into the guest bedroom. I mean, that's just not something if he's sleeping, you're sleeping. So I went back downstairs. I was messing with my hair. Of course, we get our hair done or we got to go make add our own touches to it pretty much. And my son came downstairs and my son told me, he said, mom, he said, um, I'm talking to my dad. He's not moving. I said, well, tap his foot. My, at that time, my husband was dealing with a gout flare up. I said, oh, tap that foot. You know he's going to wake up. He's going to fuss, start fussing. He said, Ma, I did. I said, okay, well, cut the light on. He said, Ma, I did. My son was basically telling me at that time, but he didn't know how to tell me at that time. Mm -hmm. And my son looked at me, and I remember I had my hands up like this, and I was messing with my hair. And he said, Ma, he said, my daddy fingers are not pink. So at that particular time, I turned around and I looked at him. I said, what, what, what are you saying? Like, what, what 
you telling me? What are you saying? Because at this point, I'm, I'm thinking, but I'm like, what are you telling me? Mm-hmm. And he said it again. And at the point I said, call 911. And I ran upstairs and I went in the room and my husband was laying there. At that point, he was already deceased. Um, my son called 911. And 911, the EMS knew he was deceased, but they were looking at our faces and how distraught we were, especially my son. So they began working on him. Um, my brother came doing that process. So my brother went through, my brother went through all of this with us, um, which was the day that my brother came and the day that he passed, my brother always worked on weekends. But this particular weekend, my oldest brother was off of work and he came by the house. So at that point, I say my brother, after everything happened, I say my brother was that ram in, was that ram in the bush because we were screaming, we was yelling with heart. And my brother Ashley is the one that told me, since he's gone. And I just collapsed in the hallway. Mm-hmm. So let's go back. So now we know we kind of seeing the end from the, you know, I'm saying the beginning. Yeah. So then all of this happens, but y'all are sleeping in two separate, y'all still married, still together, mm-hmm. but sleeping in two separate bedrooms. And you had some suspicions regarding him and a girlfriend mm-hmm. of yours. So tell us about that and how you, what, what took place and how you okay. reconcile with that because he wasn't here to give you answers right right so at that point it it had all the situation had already happened where there was some infidelity with some suspicion of infidelity with him and this young lady um and at that point I called her my sister we spent time together we attended church together um you know I took around my family my friends she went to some events with us everything because I looked at her he helped her move like and I wasn't present because I'm looking at this young lady as being my sister so several months beforehand, I had looked at the phone bill and I saw her number, but at the time I'm like, okay, this number looks familiar to me, but I was looking for a number that he asked me to just look on the phone bill and see if I could find a number that cleared out of his phone. It was something dealing with business. And I just kept seeing that number. So before anything ever transpired, I went to him and I told him, I said, you know, I realize whose number this is. I said, and you all are doing a lot of communicating. I said, and it doesn't, I said, it, it doesn't look right. At that time, another one of our friends was expecting, and it was kind of like a shock for everybody. So he told me that that's what they were discussing. And my question was, well, why is it that you guys never discussed this after five o'clock or on the weekends? And I said, because you realize that it's inappropriate that you're having this con- that you're having these conversations because I'm I'm not around when you're having these conversations. I didn't talk to her nowhere near as much as my husband was talking to her. I don't know if anything ever physically happened but in my opinion I really think that it did um so before he passed I had asked him out of our bedroom which was on a Wednesday we had attended a church service and at the end of the service the minister asked us to grab our neighbors by our hand she was there now she hadn't been attending church in months she had she stopped going to the church for whatever other reasons that she said she was no longer attending that particular church my husband actually turned around and grabbed this young lady's hand. So I'm standing to his left and she's, he's holding her hand to the, to the right of him. So you can only imagine the thoughts that are going through my head. Um, we went through a lot because of this situation. You know, anytime a woman has an intuition, a lot of times we have to, we have to follow through on that, but that's my husband. It was for better and it was for worse, you know. But that particular day really did something um, to me. 
Um, it just rehashed a whole lot of feelings that I was things that I was feeling because I'm looking, you're holding this woman's hand. This woman almost destroyed our family because she really did almost destroy our family. I never talked negative about her. I never talked about the situation to other people in the church and things of that. I never discussed it. So that particular night, I asked my husband out of the bedroom. That was on a Wednesday. Saturday, my husband passed away. So you asked him to move out of the bedroom on that mm-hmm. Wednesday and then that Saturday he passed away. Did you ever confront your friend at the time, I, your sister? The months way before the end, when it initially first happened, I did say something to her. And what of course, you, you know, they both, she just told me that, oh, well, you know, I apologize, you know, for having those conversations with him, but she told me there was nothing going on between them. Um, she was like, well, you know, it, and she said something of the nature, as far as we both know, it may be some things that we don't know about him. And I'm thinking, what is it that you would possibly need to know about my spouse that I didn't know? So to me, that really made me start thinking, you know, so eventually as time went on, I told her that I forgave her, but I could never be her friend again. Like I could, I could never be her friend. I would never trust her again. And she wasn't a welcome around my family and me. So that was months beforehand. Um, before he actually passed away when we dealt first initially dealt with that situation Mm -hmm. so how did I can only imagine I know there's like a whole nother story as far as how your son processed the pain Um, so not only are you grieving your son is grieving and then it kind of caused some friction with you and your son right so tell Mm -hmm. us tell us a little bit about that so because I was angry with my husband of course when he passed my son's at a particular point felt like it was his fault. Like it was not his fault, my fault, because I stressed his dad out. Um, of course, at that, at that point in time, my husband and my son were, they were close. My son didn't go, my husband didn't go anywhere without our son. Everywhere he went, our son was with him. And at that point, my son was 15 years old. He was, he was 15. He never missed a practice. He never missed a game, a football game. He was very present in our life. So at that point, I I feel like my son, part of that was, you know, if you wasn't angry with dad or if you didn't feel you wanted to leave or take me away from my dad, my dad would still be here. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it, my son felt like was my fault. He felt like I may have caused his heart attack because he probably feels his dad was stressed out at that point. Mm -hmm. And how did you and your son reconcile with that? We we started off in counseling. Um, we were seeing the same counselor. Um, it was a, a lady. My son could relate to her to a certain extent, but then to a certain extent, he could not because you have to remember, my son was already dealing with the death of his biological father. That's right. That was for context. So yes. I didn't know if you wanted to mention that. So yes, yeah, so your husband wasn't his biological dad, right. but that was his daddy. But there was his last name. Had, yeah, he had his name. That was his son. That was, that his, was his son. Yes. That's who raised him, who took care yeah. of him. But then prior to, what was it? A week, a month? Three months before. Three months November. prior, mm-hmm. his biological dad passed. Then he loses his dad. Yes. So you guys are in counseling. Y'all trying to work through it. Mm-hmm. And then, so not only do you have that, so that's that's compartmentalization. Like, so you like, okay, I got this issue with my son. I got to fix this because he's still here. Mm -hmm. But as a woman, you know, how let's let's get to the healing now. How did you work through that? Like, I'm sure you start. Did you start blaming yourself? Did you 
tell us about that process to healing because now you're dating again we're gonna get to that later yes (laughs) so I absolutely I absolutely did blame blame myself Mm -hmm. um I remember I was having a conversation with my sister and I'm like how do I how do I start to forgive somebody that I'll never receive an apology from that was one of the hardest things that I did not understand like this he's deceased how how would he ever be able to tell me that he's sorry? Because at that point, I wasn't angry or mad at the time that everything happened. I felt broken. I felt like he I felt like he had broken me. And I and I told him that, you know, I really felt like he had broken me. But once I started to realize, once I started to, to realize that I had to forgive him. I had to forgive him. When I say I started praying, I went to counseling, I joined a support, I joined a support group, and that that it kind of gave me like my voice back. Um, I'm really reserved. A lot of people don't know that about me, but I'm a really reserved person. But once I started to really, he really started to ask God, show me my true self. Show me who Christina is, not a widow woman, not a mom, just these, all of those are titles. But what is it that I want? What are things that I want to do? So at that time, like I said, I started praying. I was in counseling. I was going to the support groups. And I started to realize, you know, none of this was my fault. And that's what I had to do. I had to start forgiving myself. I had to forgive me too. And so once I started doing it, I went back to school. I purchased a home, you know, and these are things that I wrote down on a vision board with some female friends. We had a a weekend together. And so those were some of the things that I started wanting to do. You know, like I said, I went back to school. I purchased a home. I joined um, Alpha Theta Omega, Christian sorority. So I started doing different things that I probably would have felt as though I would have never been able to do. I even started a nonprofit in my husband's name. My husband's name was Alonzo Peanut Lord. The name of my nonprofit is nothing but love. Because out of everything, Carla, and I know you and I talked a little bit about this. People blame me and they blame my son for my husband's past. So there were so many times I wouldn't go to the mall. I wouldn't go out to eat. And this was, of course, was before the pandemic. We're five years into his, his passing now. You know, his birthday just passed on Sunday. So I, I hid a lot. And my sister kept telling me, none of this, you're not the blame. It was God's will. It was his time. It was, God was ready for him. His place in heaven was prepared. And one thing that I started to really accept, my husband's birthday was May the 22nd, 1971. My husband passed on 2-25-17. If you write those numbers down, they run into each other. So when I, that right there, when my son showed it to me because God showed it to him, at that point, things we started to accept things a little bit more and a little bit better. Um, of course, we was going to we was going to church. That's always the number one thing that people tell you to do. But it's things that you have to do for yourself to get through certain things. And if somebody's not going through that, they can't really relate to you. And at that time, I felt that a lot of people couldn't relate to me. You know, I didn't feel my son had some of the support that I thought he should have had. But of course, those are my thoughts. My husband was there for so many people. Mm-hmm. so many people but like I said once I started to forgive and I forgave her and at that point I started to really 
really realized how God was working in my life, how, how things would just seem to have started turning around for me. But a lot of that I would have to say came from the forgiveness. The forgiveness is not for them, it's for me. Mm-hmm. And you said something so powerful. And we were talking about this offline about, you know, being okay with the apology that we may never receive. You know, we have people that not even just in your case, whether it's parents that have passed on or people who have hurt us and they still control us from the grave. Or we got people that's alive, like my sec, my mother's second husband physically abused me and I never got an apology when I went to him and told him I forgave him. He looked at me like, forgive me for what? And mm-hmm. I'm like, Joker, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But let's talk about how did you get through that? Not, not how did you get through? Let's talk about... Um, developing the courage to love again because you know when we talk you was like I'm dating and I was so happy for you and how did you get to that place because and this is what we want women to know it's like there is life after heartbreak Mm -hmm. you know I wrote a whole book called life after betrayal there's Mm -hmm. life after betrayal and Mm -hmm. so I'm proud of you because even though you might have went through all of those emotions you didn't shut down you might have felt broken or like my wife just wrote a book, Damaged But Not, you know, Love and Lies, Damaged But Not Broken. Um, so it's like times we feel damaged, we feel broken, but it was like you were able to pick up all of these pieces, of course, by the grace of God, of course, through therapy, using your your practical, uh, uh, using your practical methods, but you chose to love again. Was that hard for you at first? At first, yes, it was. I'm sure it was. And that was extremely hard for me. And one reason I remember one time in particular, I had saw someone in the grocery store and it told me how pretty I looked. And Carla, for whatever reason, that started to shut me back down because that I felt guilty. Like what I know, what are people probably thinking? I'm walking around and I'm looking nice and I'm looking pretty, or I'm dressed a certain way, but they have no idea what it how I fought that particular day to put on the lipstick, to, to put on the eyeshadow, the lashes, the whatever I actually did that day. But for me, one thing that I have to say is I had to stop worrying so much about what people thought. Mm-hmm. And that was the number one thing that I that I had to do was stop worrying about what everybody think or what everybody, what somebody may say. The second thing I had to do was realize, oh. I'm lovable. I'm worthy. I am actually worthy to be loved. And like my sister said, oh, you a woman. I don't want my sister to grow old by herself. Because when my husband was here, it was through thick and thin, sickness and health. All of those roles I asked, I played. I I played my part. I did everything that 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 I was supposed to do. And after that, it just became... I had to learn to be complete with me. I depended on my husband so much. And it was like, once I started learning how to be complete with just me, at that point, my son was out of the house. So I was by myself. So girl, who you gonna call 24 seven wearing the death because you need something out of the cabinet because you too short to get it. Get your butt on that step stool and get up there and get it. <laughs> or I see a bug, oh, I'm screaming, I'm running. Um, who's here to, to kill this? So there was just certain things I had to learn how to put air in my tire. Lord, I just learned to do that because I would always pull the air out of my tire instead of putting the air in the tire. So I'll have to say the number one thing for me was learning to be complete with Christina. 
Mm-hmm. And once I learned that, oh, that opened that opened up some that really opened up some doors for me. It really opened up some doors for me. I actually, when I think about, you know, like whenever someone's married, right, mm-hmm. and then one of the partners pass away, it's always like a well, how long? You know, you got some people. Like I remember when my mm-hmm. uh, paternal grandmother passed, my granddad married quickly, and everybody had a problem with that. I was too young to know what was going on, but it's like. Well, how long are you like, who can tell you, you know, I even think about, like, I think about Vanessa, Kobe Bryant's wife, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, would this woman ever be able to marry anybody ever again? Like she's Mm -hmm. Kobe, she was Kobe Bryant's wife. You know, I think about Lauren London. Mm -hmm. She was married to, I mean, she was engaged to Nipsey Hussle. It's like, there's such this microscope and we see it from, I always say celebrities are real people, but you dealt with that too. Like if you would have started dating a month later, people would have been like, well, who she think? And you didn't date for so long because you were worried about what others would think. And you was, I'm definitely sure you were healing and working through it, but you're human too. And it's like, I want something, you know what I'm saying? I know you a Christian woman, praise God. Well, but okay, not, like my sister told me, you're still a woman with me. Still a woman. <laughs> but it's like my heart really goes out because I'll be like, I really hope, you know, Lauren London like finds love again. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope Vanessa can find it's like that's tough because of who they were. And then you think about your mm-hmm. husband, what mm-hmm. he was. And so what would you say to women? We're gonna close with this. What would you say to women who are experiencing heartbreak um are in a transition um just heart and heartbreak can cover a plethora of things right Mm -hmm. so what in whichever way you want to go with it take some time to encourage our female listeners today one thing that I would tell my sisters allow yourself to feel the emotions unfortunately sometimes we become so robotic we become robotic because we have so many people that's dependent on us. So we suppress a lot of feelings. So the number one thing I would tell her to do, allow yourself to feel those emotions. And after that, sister, get up. Get up. It is always, always a sunshine after the rain. And it really is. We all know, like you say, the practical things to do with the prayer and going to church and talking to God. But it takes more than that also because we're human we're living in the flesh you know find people that you can talk to don't just talk to any and everybody trust me the ones you really think are the ones that are there for you sometimes they're unfortunate they are not but you can't worry about people you have to focus on self but the number one thing I do have to say is learn to feel the emotions allow yourself to feel the emotions and don't close your heart off don't close your heart off Everything is a learning. It's a learning experience. We have to go through to get through. You know, and I strongly believe in that you have to go through in order to get through it. Mm-hmm. Now, how is, I know we got three minutes, but so how is dating now? I mean, <laughs> I got to hear about it behind the scenes, but you know, how is that? We just want to give the women hope, you know? And I was happy to hear y'all was still dating because we talked yeah. a time ago and yes. you're taking your time and you're not rushing and you're keeping it, you know, private and that's your business. And, you know, how, how is that? How, how's that going? I mean, I have to say I am enjoying it. Nothing is perfect, um, but we balance each other out. I'm a morning person. He's not a morning person. So if I get up in the morning and I'm complaining, I'm fighting, I'm wooting hot because I'm logged into work, 
he'll come in in the room with me and he'll tell me, babe, don't start your day like that. Don't start your day like that. So I have like little sticky notes of things that he actually said. I mean, he's a really good, he's a really good person. Like I say, he's not perfect, but he's very compassionate. He's very loving. He's very intentional. And that was one thing that, of course, I've talked to other guys or conversated with other guys or whatever with other guys, but none of them had the, the intentions. Like he is very, very intentional. So we're we're learning from each other. Everything is like, like a learning process. We're learning, we're learning with each other. Like I said, just pray for me because I'm a force to be reckoned with. And you know, people <laughs> tell him, oh, you have to be a strong guy to be able to, to deal with her. And I say it, but a lot of it comes from that wall that's been up. Mm-hmm. You know, that that not trusting people or you know, thinking people intentions are good when they're really they're really not. But I would tell women, I mean, allow allow yourself though. Allow yourself to be loved. You're worthy to be loved. We all are worthy to be loved. And it's somebody out there for, for everybody. But don't, I wasn't looking when it happened. Mm-hmm. I was not, I wasn't looking. And it and it happened. And it I'm happens. So me. happy for you. <laughs> oh my God. So listen, yeah. guys, y'all can follow Christina on Facebook. Check her out. You want to give you Instagram real quick? You got Instagram? I'm actually not on Instagram, but I am on Facebook. Facebook. Christina Smith Lloyd. And I also have nothing but love. Y'all pray for me because I don't know which direction I want to go with the nonprofit. Just keep me in prayer. I'm still trying and I'm still learning. I got you. Well, I'm a business coach, so you know I can help you with that, girl, get some clarity. But listen, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We got to go. Thank you so much for tuning in. And so what you want to say real quick, baby? I just want to tell you thank you. You're welcome. You are really that person that really gave me that started to give me that voice. When I attended your I attended your conference, you have no clue what that actually did for me. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being so transparent. Thank you just for being here for me. I love you. I really do. And I really appreciate you. I love you too. Oh my goodness. Okay, so listen, I think this was so powerful.